Hello, everybody. How you doing? Thank you for joining us once again. I'm so excited that you're here on this podcast once again. We're going to talk today about the origins of real estate, and that'll help us understand why there is a major problem out there on the perception of realtors. Hi, I'm Kelly Johnston, founder of the Forex Formula, and the big question is this. How are real estate agents like us able to create a constant stream of commissions and a constant stream of leads while enjoying life without wasting big budgets on branding, without working crazy hours, without worrying where the next deal is coming from in today's real estate market? This podcast is here to reveal the answers. The origin of real estate. So I think it's important to talk about this because where realtors came from, like how we started as an animal <laughs> and then where we've evolved to today like to where we are today are so different like it's like not even close i don't know if my hands are showing up or not but it's really important to talk about this because we need to understand where the realtor came from right and so that we can understand why the public has this perception of realtors the primary reason that i think this course is so important with the forex formula and what we're doing my my cause if you will my overall master purpose for this course really has to do with the fact, the sad, sad fact that real estate agents are one of the least trusted professionals out there. We're in the top 10 every year. This bothers me so much because we have to overcome this stuff all the time with people that's in their psyche, right? So this has become a really big part of our mission with Club 100 Online Inc. and uh, the whole Forex formula. A major part of why we've designed this and how we've designed it and things that we really press upon the people taking the course, it it's important because I think literally, we can literally change the perception out there. If we get enough people practicing real estate, doing real estate in the proper way with the right mindsets and, and just really becoming that advocate for the public out there, we can change this. We can change this perception. And I tell you, it's going to make it easier and easier and easier. So we are in the top 10 of least trusted professionals. We've come a long way, but we've got so far to go. 19% of people that were surveyed in 2018 said that they have a very low level of trust. 19% said low level of trust. That means we don't trust them. And 25% had a higher level of trust. So one out of four people say, I actually have a high level of trust. So they've had a good experience with a realtor. That's encouraging. It's actually come a long way. We are kind of getting better. You know what I mean? It's, but it's still a problem. And what that says to me is that people are still thinking of real estate professionals as kind of like that, kind of like a necessary evil if you will, right? We, uh, I just gotta, I gotta deal with this guy or this gal. And I guess I better call a realtor. Who do I call? I don't know. Let's, let's get a bunch of them in there and, and we'll just see who the best one is or who we like the best or who convinces us that we should work with them. And, and you know, they're just not excited about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always think of it this way. The real estate sales person started out as a salesperson. This is how it all started. There's this guy and he would, there was some things that happened. I'll get into that in a second, but he literally had listings in his hat. So he kept them in his top hat. He'd take out his hat and he'd have his list. That's where he kept it private, right? Because in that list, he had a, a property and then he had what people agreed to sell for. And then he would try and get more so he would approach like sellers and determine a price that those people would sell at. Then he would tell the potential buyer another price and that's how he earned his money. So it was the difference and that's totally illegal today. So the idea of listings started with that, believe it or not. There was no MLS, 
There was no rules. There was no act. There was no law governing this practice at the time. So imagine the trust factor there, right? Like, so like a buyer just has no idea what the real value of anything is. They just decided they want to buy something and he's the guy that they got to go talk to. And is he just getting rich on me? Um, And then the sellers too, like at the end of the day, oh my gosh, if I knew I could have got that much for it, oh my goodness, that would have been great, right? That would have helped us a lot. And so there's, there's this dichotomy. And in the middle, this listing agent, listing person, just ran around snickering at how he's fooling people or taking advantage of two different people. So imagine the trust factor there. <laughs> then we started to get organized. We still kind of withheld information. And a lot of you not even know about this. A lot of you probably haven't even experienced this that you're in real estate now. And if you're just starting, you definitely wouldn't even have known about this. But there, there was actually no internet. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time that there was no internet and uh, and we couldn't just go on the internet to get information. There, there was that internet was not a thing. It just wasn't around. I kind of got, got into the business when the internet was just kind of kicking in. It was around 97 and I mean, it was going for a little bit, but it wasn't very good yet. We're still doing dial up, that weird sound that had to connect and we're doing it off of telephone lines and all this stuff. So it was a very different time. <laughs> and sending like packets of information that we do today so easily just wasn't possible. I remember when it took like five to 10 minutes for something to send. And to us, that's lightning fast. What was the other option, right? That was lightning fast. So we have this, you know, in our world today, everything just needs to happen so fast. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But so there was no internet, but there was this book. It was called, and we called it the green book. Our book was green. I don't know what color the book was in other areas, but our book was the green book and it had all the MLS listings in there. And we would open up the book and we'd go through it all. And I remember even like taking the book and photocopying it and pressing it down so it kind of be flat. And then I would photocopy that and then I would cut out some and make a, make a list of properties for certain buyers based on what they wanted and stuff like that. I was not allowed to give that book to people. It was actually um, a huge, like a big penalty harsh like against your license all that kind of stuff could have happened to you if um if you gave that book to somebody you were not allowed to give that book so you had to keep that book that was our thing we had the book we had the information so we had the advantage and um so imagine there you go again like where's the trust right and so they just had the trust that we're giving them all the information right maybe some agents would just give some of the information or the kind of information that 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 made their job easier but maybe didn't help the buyer as well or seller as well, depending on how they're doing their, how they're having conversations. So people learned about houses that were for sale from the newspaper. That was another way that was now the kind of public information aspect of things. And so it was all about the newspaper and there's newspapers that specifically printed real estate listings and uh, magazines and stuff like that. But really the, the local newspaper, a lot of times had a whole real estate section and that's how people looked at real estate. Now, if you think about that, Okay, so to, you, you got to get the listings in, you got to get the information in to your your board that manages all that, and then they, they got to compile the book. Well, how long do you think it takes to put the book together, right? So a lot of times, by the time that information got into the book, it was about two weeks old information. Well, kind of the same thing with newspapers, right? So you, you people get all their ads together, you, gotta, you have a certain deadline, you got to get that in, and then that'll go in the next paper. Well, a lot of that information, by the time you get it all together, and by the way, we didn't have digital cameras at the time either, and we couldn't just like email photos or load them ourselves or do any of that kind of stuff that we could do today. 
we actually had to take pictures with a camera, go get the film developed, and we had to deliver though that one picture to our board, and then they would load that photo in, and it would be black and white, and it would look horrible. And that's the way it was. That's that's kind of how we were doing stuff. So I'm making myself seem really, really old, but you know, if in the scheme of things, that actually really wasn't that long ago. And so the public, like all this information, we're kind of holding it close to our chest, right? And, and this is our advantage. This is this is like our our value, right? This is how we became the necessary evil to people, right? And so, yeah, very salesman oriented if you think about like why wouldn't they think I'm a salesman if I'm withholding all the information? I have an advantage over them, right? So how can they trust that I'm going to be their advocate and do the best I can with the information I have? I mean, I did. I tried to as best I could back in those days. But how, how would they trust that I was? It was really hard. And they, they had no other option. And it was forced upon them. The real estate salesperson was just that. They were selling listings. The buyers looked at the listings and had very little knowledge about comparable product. Black and white fuzzy photos of the house in the book with limited information too. Like it was like a little box of information. So I had the picture and then it had a little basic information in there. Didn't even have like room sizes a lot of times, it, you know, very limited information in there. A lot of less than moral real estate agents can kind of manipulate that information for their benefit and, and, and kind of almost pick and choose what the public received. I'm sure that was going on. It was easy to do. I'm sure it was going on. So it was like this up until the late 90s. And, and really, that's not too long ago. So think about this. Um, in 1862, uh, the Homestead Act was passed in the U.S. And what they did is they distributed land across the land to different people. And, uh, and I don't know how the choices were made. I didn't study that far into it on, on how they made a determination on who got land or who got what. Um, but I'm sure it had a lot to do with connections and people who were you may be politically motivated or supported different things or were in the war and in the military. Maybe they got rewarded that way with some land and stuff like that. But then soon after that, people started to uh, get together and form, form communities and stuff. Then the Industrial Revolution started. So then it was all these workers would migrate to these certain areas to, to get work, to make money. It wasn't about the farming anymore. It wasn't about survival on the farm, just making what you needed to and and growing what you needed to and having livestock and stuff just to survive. It wasn't just about that anymore. Now it became about having money, but then it became about um, having money to pay for the place that they lived in and they would be satisfied with having less than land and they, um, to, to live on. Just kind of an evolution of how we, we kind of evolved in, in North America. So people started to centralize and, and then banks started to kind of get smart and understand um, that and they, they became kind of more than just a place for rich people to keep their money or store their money as the safe place for money. They became more than that. They started to understand that they could loan money to people. Now they did it with the rich people and the rich people kind of made money off of loaning money and, and the bank said, well, why don't we do that? We can, we can start to factor our money. We've got deposits in here and so we can start to loan money and, and, and get it back and then they started factoring and all that stuff. But the concept of mor mortgages really open the door for like the average ma and pa, you know, just struggling working person um, that had ability to make money and repay uh, to, to start to get mortgages. So now the average person could start to own land and own properties and that kind of stuff. So it started to kind of grow. The real estate listing emerged on the scene, right? That's when the listing guy emerged on the scene that we were just talking about. Then in 1916, they started to get organized, the real, the real estate uh, industry. 
And a man named Charles Chadburn uh, coined the phrase realtor. That was in 1916. He coined that phrase and the National Association of Realtors kind of emerged from that. And I believe Canada kind of did their thing very much like the U.S. around that time. And, and everybody kind of started to get organized. Canada kind of followed suit with U.S. a lot and a lot of different things. Um, same with money, same with the banking industry, like the Banking Act and all that kind of stuff is very similar in timing. And I just want to make sure I stay with my notes here to make sure I'm telling you all the right stuff. So it's right around that time that the National Association of Realtors was created. Here we are. If you think about that, so that's 1916, realtors are getting organized. We're 100 years, 100 years later. We really didn't evolve completely from salesperson to uh, like a public advocate until really recently, right? Like very recently. So maybe in the last, maybe in the last decade where the idea of being an advocate and not a salesperson anymore, like you're in their corner, you're, you're protecting them contractually, like dialing in the contracts. Like we, we started adding pages to our contracts like crazy, like different built-in clauses and stuff. I mean, when I first got in the business, it was press hard, you're making four copies uh, and everything was handwritten and all that stuff to um, computer programs and all that. And, and so now our contracts are four or five, seven, eight, 11 pages long, depending on the type of deal. And uh, back in my day, the contract was maybe two pages long. So, you know, that whole thing, again, is just creating more things to be enforceable and protecting people and all that is just kind of evolved and it and it's accelerated now and and here we are so i kind of get it i can see why you know there is there's that whole persona that uh, the realtors fall into still like we're still dealing with it it took almost 100 years to get there so maybe it shouldn't surprise me so much you know what that's why all the training programs that i paid to go to and and the information i was receiving in those programs were really kind of outdated they really were and there's new stuff, like uh, uh, we, we've started to take the new stuff, but they're still grabbing from old stuff. And there's still trainers that were training back in those days that are training today. And they've evolved a little bit, but really they're, they're still relying on some of those old tactics that, that sound smart or they sound kind of tricky or they sound kind of, well, that's a good idea. But, but at the end of the day, I, I don't know what's going on with the mindset in behind all that, the, the heart behind it all. And... I kind of question it a bit and and I've gone to and I've gone to like that's all the training areas is outdated and, I, and I'd gone to training programs that that would focus on kind of one aspect and they made it out like this one aspect if you get this figured out it's gonna it's gonna change your life it, your your business is gonna be amazing and this is why you haven't succeeded and it was just about one thing and they're charging so much money <laughs> And I'm kind of going, okay, that's one thing. Like, that's just one part of it. Is that really going to be the TSN turning point for me? That's going to be the the thing, the magic pill, the blue, you know. But we fall into that, you guys. We all do. And I, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want you to fall into that. I, I, and I don't want to be that for you either. Um, with the Forex formula, this is a four-dimensional full course that goes into every single aspect and we touch on everything and we go deep into a lot of things so that we make sure that you're well-rounded you've learned it all apply what you want it's up to you but we're going to give you everything 
after that you decide you know you could plug people in to take care of parts of it but if, as long as you know a lot of the problem is people don't know what they don't know right so we get we get fooled sometimes i went to a training program that focused on marketing and uh, and it focused on branding and i thought it was great i went to it great information the lead-in kind of training prior to that that made me want to go to that was very very well done and it really had me convinced um, that this is the one thing that's going to change everything and i was still in that mindset of being the big man the big dog the the you know being the marketing man and and just being really good at that and branding 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 and all that kind of stuff i'm not totally against any of that but i'm just saying it's not the end all the be all it's not the only way to make it in real estate it's a very expensive way so as we got through i went to the marketing thing i had to pay to go to that which was not cheap and then i had to travel to get there which cost money and then i had to rent a hotel room for a couple days to go to this uh, event and it was very good and there was some food and all that kind of stuff it was great uh first class they did a great job putting it all together and and at the end of it the package that they were selling to me was an eighteen thousand dollar package and and that's all fine like i'm not afraid of spending money on things but they basically taught me everything in it and so i'm like well and they're just basically saying, well, we have people that are professionals that will just do all those things. We just taught you that you were supposed to do. These guys are just really good writers and they're good photographers or they're good at doing graphic design to make all these things look really good for you. And it's $18,000. So I was kind of like, well, I can, I can get people to do that or I can, I can go into a mode of creating that, that kind of stuff myself. And I did. I went and did it. And I, I hired a photographer and we did a bunch of stuff. Um, I learned a lot and I went back. I actually implemented a lot of it. And that's the thing with me. I had no problem implementing things or at least trying to. But I do think a lot of people will go to a training program and, and, they, and there were people that went to that training program with me that didn't implement those things. So I know it's a fact. So that always bothers me all the time. So with our training, I'm always looking for ways within the training to uh, have you implement something. Uh, a few things to kind of get into those new habits and, and create new successes, create more belief, stretch yourself a little bit and cause you to think deeper about something a little bit and all those kind of things. Those are really important, but you, sometimes you need action to do that. Um, and, and it shouldn't be like, there shouldn't be blockages to that. The only blockages to any of those things should have to do with your own brain uh, and things you have to overcome. And that's where we come to encourage you on that. But but it can't be about money. It can't be about, oh, okay, well, to do that, I got to do this, I got to do this. If there's got to be like five things you got to do to do one action, you're probably not going to do it. And I don't want that for you. I want to make it easy for you. So that's kind of what our program's all about. So I maybe didn't implement it as well as the $18,000 package, but I, I just, I wasn't convinced of the value because it was only about one thing. If it, if it, if it really was going to fulfill a whole bunch of things that I felt was missing in my business that they convinced me of or whatever, I probably would have, I maybe would have spent the money. I don't know. Maybe it was one thing that I felt like, yeah, I can, I don't know if that's the end all the be all because I was just starting to get into that mindset of building the business a little bit different. The light bulb was just starting to kind of come on. Um, all this stuff that we're teaching you all, all that was just kind of happening. So anyway, I was doing okay. I wanted to learn things to go back and teach my agents at the time. I took a, a lot of good things out of that weekend. But you know what? It was, again, selling me on the superhero business. You know, being the big man, being the billboard 
guy spending more money than my competition to get more mind share, right? To, from the community to attract as many strangers as possible. And that, that's old thinking, that's, that's old mentality. It does work, it does work over time, but you gotta spend a ton of money to do it and you gotta be committed to do it. So that's the thing. And if you're making more money than you need and you're not spending money on that stuff, you can go on some pretty nice trips. You can drive some nice vehicles. You can have some nice clothing. You can, you can, you can spend money on those things if you want to. But I look at it and go build the business first, and then and then allow other people to scream about you, right? Instead of uh, a billboard that basically says I'm really successful, and I'm going to pull stuff off that no one else can pull off. I'm a superhero agent, and I'm just way above everybody else, and I'm number one, and I have all these awards, and whatever it is. Those people are calling me for that because they think I can pull something off that no one else can pull off. That is not a good position to start from, honestly. So anyway, so then I went to other training programs and another one was teaching me on how to manipulate people into thinking the way I wanted them to think, kind of tricking them and do some sort of Jedi mind tricks to, to, to get people to do what I wanted them to do. And again, I, I, I did. I took, I took some good things out of that, and, but I chose not to apply some other things. But I also chose not to buy the ticket for his major event uh, for that course either because I, I didn't think that there was value there. So this is what the public is scared of, right? The public is fearing this. They're fearing. They get scared of salespeople because they know that there's a chance that they're going to get sold on something, that they're going to get manipulated into something, that someone's going to talk them into something and not do something that's in their best interest. That's still going on. It's still in the psyche of the people. And the training that's going on right now out there is still kind of talking about those things. And I don't like it. <laughs> so I just want you to know that's not what we're doing in our course. Have you watched those TV shows about those real estate agents like in Los Angeles and New York um, dealing with all these really rich people? Listen to their language. Listen to the conversations they're having with each other when their clients aren't around. Listen how um, they're talking about when they're trying to get a deal together and they're going back and forth and they've got it on speakerphone so everybody can hear everything. You can listen to how they're talking to them and you can see when they hang up the phone how they're talking about those clients afterwards and, and or um, the challenge or the thing that they're, that's frustrating to them. All of those things, more often than not, it is not about doing the best they can for the client necessarily. It's about closing the deal. It's about getting the deal done. It's about convincing them that they should take that deal. And these frustrating clients. Now, I've seen how weak they are when they're talking about value in, in a listing presentation. It's mind-blowing to me, to be honest with you. They're sitting there and, and they're allowing the seller to manipulate them. Coming off like, well, they're really rich and so they're powerful. And I don't want to lose this listing because I'm desperate and it's going to make me lots of money. I can make $100,000 selling this place. So ah, I, I got to get the listing. So I'll just, ah, whatever, I'll do. I don't like it. But I'll just do whatever this seller wants and you know we'll see how it goes and then I'll just talk him into it later when we end up getting an offer like that is kind of the mentality that is going on that's what I see when I watch those shows I don't agree with it but just listen to that listen to how they talk but this is the thing 
This is now in the public's eyes, in the biggest stage possible on TV, right? Where, and, and, and this is a show people are watching. People love watching train wrecks. I don't know what it is. Like the, the wives of New York and the wives of Dallas and the wives of Bliss and all these crazy shows, these reality shows. And, and people like watching them because it makes them feel like they're not so bad, right? Like they kind of look at that and go, oh, well, at least I'm not like that. Like we're pretty normal compared to that. And you're kind of comparing, I don't know, in my mind, to the lowest common denominator. Like, you know, that's not what you should be comparing. But I won't get into that. Um, we've come so far as realtors. It's 100 years later now. And then things like that are kind of pushing things backwards. And uh, I hope you agree with me on that. Like, or, or at least gets you thinking about it anyway. We may start to like the characters in these shows and start to respect them a little bit. Um, because they're making a lot of money. And, and they have quirky characteristics or, um, I mean, that's okay. But they don't personify uh, the Forex agent. They don't. Um, that's not what we're shooting for. That's our mission, to create Forex agents that elevate what a realtor or a real estate professional is to the public. That's our mission, one by one. But over time, this can happen. We have a chance. We just have to start. So once this movement starts, I don't think it's going to be able to be stopped because people, the public wants this. They're crying out for it. They're screaming for it. This is what they want from you. This is what they want from real estate professionals. I know it. I know it for a fact. This is what they want. And we need to give it to them. And I'm excited to be part of this and to be starting this movement and uh, just create a bunch of 4X agents, 4Xers just doing well-rounded, four-dimensional stuff that is treating people properly creating answers to their challenges and winning along with people in that way. Um, it's exciting stuff. I'm really excited about it.